This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, uh, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And uh, today I have the great pleasure of uh, speaking with uh, Dr. Koji Matsuo, who is an Associate Professor at USC in the Department of uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology in the Division of Gynecologic Oncology. Uh, welcome, Koji. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Ramirez. So, uh, Koji is uh, recently uh, published, uh, um, among his many publications, but one of the most recent is, uh, is a publication on the population trends and outcomes of post-operative radiotherapy for high-risk early-stage cervical cancer with lymph node metastases, uh, concurrent chemoradiation versus radiation alone. Um, and this will be published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. So we wanted to take this opportunity to speak to him about uh, this concept and, and some of the details of, uh, of his study. Um, so Koji, I, I was wondering if you can start by just, you know, just giving us the, you know, the initiative or the rationale for putting together uh, this study and, and telling us why your team felt it, it was an important question to ask. Sure. Um, for the the background, um, cervical cancer is a third most common gynecologic malignancy in the United States. And then, although populational incidence has been steadily decreasing, uh, one in 160 women will have this diagnosis per a lifetime. And treatment of cervical cancer is depending on the uh, cancer stage. And radical hysterectomy is surgical treatment of choice for early stage disease. Um, pelvic lymph node metastasis has the highest impact on survival among the six surgical pathological factors. Then one in four women with pelvic lymph node metastasis will eventually recur in a distant anatomical site outside the pelvis. Um, the current practice for uh, um, pelvic lymph node metastasis case is to deliver uh, post-op um, <clears throat> concurrent chemotherapy based on the GOG109 result, but their study is not uh, not positive specific. And then in the view of literature, um, there's no uh, real-world population-based study that examines the um, utilization and the effectiveness of this uh, CCRT in this uh, particular not positive case. And then interestingly, the recent um, the study, uh, a nationwide study from Japan, uh, examining the um, not positive early stage cervical cancer, and then uh, they compare the outcome between CCRT and then RT alone, and then they found that the, um, in terms of outcome, so the outcome are similar between the two groups. So uh, based on this, um, I hypothesize we hypothesize that um, pelvic green metastasis may be a surrogate for systemic disease, rather a local disease factor. Therefore, uh, we conducted this populational study. So great. And then just let me, before we go on, clarify for the, our international listeners. Uh, we often use ma many abbreviations in the United States. CCRT stands for chemoradiotherapy um, after uh, surgery. So um, what was the primary aim of this particular study? Um, for our study, the um, primary aim uh, was to examine the association of concurrent chemotherapy and the overall survival in women with um, surgically treated early stage 
cervical cancer with pelvic lymph node metastasis who received post-operative external beam radiotherapy. Okay, and, uh, and, and, and the, the inclusion and exclusion criteria for, for the study were specifically which ones? Um, for uh, inclusion criteria, we examined a woman with stage T1 to 2 cervical cancer with pelvic lymph node metastasis who had received primary hysterectomy and then pelvic lymphadenectomy followed by post-operative radiotherapy. We limit the histology to squamous adenocarcinoma and the adenosquamous are similar to GOG109. And then uh, in terms of exclusion criteria, um, uh, the stage T3 to 4 uh, distant metastasis, rare histology types, and then those who did not receive uh, radiotherapy. We also excluded uh, the, the cases um, patients who received radiotherapy uh, prior to hysterectomy. Okay, and um, one of the things that I was wondering is that, uh, you know, certainly, obviously, uh, many, many times in patients with um, cervical cancer who undergo radiotherapy, the indication for the um, chemotherapy and radiation is not just one single factor, but often a component of factors, you know, in addition to the lymph node metastases, there may be deep stromal invasion or lymph vascular space invasion. So how did you make sure to exclude patients that would have otherwise gotten chemotherapy and radiation based on other high-risk factors, not just the uh, positive uh, lymph nodes? Uh, that's a uh, good question. Um, we uh, limit the study cohort to those with pelvic lymph node metastasis. So we imagine that um, patients in this study cohort most likely uh, received post-operative therapy uh, primarily due to this indication. And then other high-risk factors such as parameter invasion, um, we stratified uh, and assessed in a sensitivity analysis among the study cohort. And then other surgical margin positivity, um, actually the CA does not have information, so um, we didn't want, we're not able to assess this um, uh, high-risk factor. And then uh, CA does not have information for LVSI or deep stromal invasion, so another uh, limitation that uh, we are unable to uh, certify um, uh, this, uh, these groups. And, and Koji, one of the things that I noticed also was that um, you used the, the American Joint uh, Committee on Cancer Staging, and I actually consider it to, you know, frankly, often be much more definitive staging than the FIGO staging, but I was curious as to why you elected to use that one. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, actually, uh, simply because the CIA uh, does not have information for a preoperative FIGO staging, and then they uh, capture the uh, tumor information via AJCC. So uh, that's how we uh, use this uh, staging system in our analysis. But uh, I'm aware that ideally uh, it will be more informative to use this preoperative clinical FIGO staging system it's because uh, this is a, the kind of practice how we make the treatment decision um, per preoperative information. And then um, the FIGO recently revised the staging system in 2018, more like um, reflecting this AJCC TNMS staging classification. So um, the clinical utility of this new staging system uh, need to be examined in the future. 
And uh, and one other thing that I also noticed was that you used the lymph node ratio. Um, could you tell us a little bit as to why uh, you did this? Uh, sure. Um, the lymph node ratio is defined by proportion of tumor containing uh, lymph nodes among the sample total nodes. And then um, there has been examined extensively in both GYN and then non-GYN cancer. And then all essentially show that the high lymph node ratio is associated with poor outcome. And then uh, there is a recent um, study from uh, MD Anderson uh, publishing Gyne Onc. So um, the studies, um, they found that the high lymph node ratio of 7.6% or higher is associated with a lower outcome. So we adopted this concept in our analysis. Great, and one last thing uh, on the methodology before we go into the uh, results. Um, for those who are not familiar with the SEER database, uh, some of our international listeners, can you briefly explain what it is? The SEER database um, surveillance, epidemiology, and end result program is a is the uh, largest population-based tumor registry in the United States. Um, it is provided and maintained by the National Cancer Institute uh, for more than 40 years operational uh, history since 1973. Um, in the la uh, latest version, uh, database covers nearly 35% of US population, and then the CIA has been utilized to estimate the uh, uh, national trend and outcome for various uh, cancer types, including cervical cancer. Okay, so now on to the results of the study. Uh, what was the total number of patients in the study, and what were the main findings of the study? Um, between 1988 to 2016, we identified 2,538 women who met this inclusion criteria um, which including uh, nearly 71% of women who received CCRT, and then remaining 29% received uh, radiotherapy alone. The um, main findings of the study uh, were that uh, CCRT and the RT alone had similar overall survival. And then even in a more poorer uh, survival groups, such as older women, uh, non squamous histology, um, stage T2 disease, and then uh, multiple lymph nodes as well as high lymph node ratio groups, all essentially uh, show similar uh, result in that uh, CCRT and RT alone had a similar overall survival. And, and I also noticed that there was a large increase in the use of concurrent uh, chemotherapy um, from 1997 to... Uh, 2000 um, as well. Uh, your, your thoughts uh, on this and how this might have impacted the outcomes? Um, we found that um, from 1997 to 2000, um, the utilization of uh, additional chemotherapy increased from 20% to nearly 80% during this uh, three years uh, uh, time period. We think that uh, this is most likely due to the result of GOG 109, which the abstract presentation at SGO was in March 1999, and then final publication via a rapid publication track in April 2000. 
um, we also think that the um, additional impact from the 1999 NCI special statement um, is likely the causality to uh, expand this uh, rapid increase. Um, but uh, if you close, uh, look the data closely, the actual rapid surge in the population level already started before these uh, GOG-109 and then NCI special statement. Uh, we think that uh, this is uh, due to the previous, um, the another phase three studies, and the surgeons most likely were influenced from other cervical cancer trials examining the effectiveness of CCRT in locally advanced cervical cancer. Uh, for instance, Dr. Keyes, Rose, Morris, and the Whitney study um, examining the um, stage 1B2 to stage 4A local cervical cancer uh, comparing CCRT versus RT alone were um, published between 1998 to, uh, so to 1999. So I think this most likely explains the reason to influence the uh, uh, increase in a post-surgical patient as well. And, and Koji, one of the things is that uh, you, you mentioned in your results and your findings was that the five-year overall survival rates remain unchanged. Um, do you have any information regarding completion of chemotherapy and radiation versus radiation alone? Could these have impacted the results of the study? And you know, is this information that you were able to get from the SEER database? Uh, yes, actually, uh, this is totally unexpected result uh, in our study team. And then we thought the two uh, potential causality to explain this um, non-significant result. The first um, may be um, difference in follow-up time between GOG-109 versus ours. Their study had um, 3.5 years for median follow-up time until um, the interim analysis um, uh, found that uh, the superior outcome, therefore they recommended for the early closure. Uh, whereas our study, um, nearly nine years uh, for median follow-up time. So um, there may be that um, there are more like a late recurrence may have happened, and therefore um, uh, result in this non, um, like a significant uh, difference for survival. The second um, the causality is, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, tolerability to advanced therapy might be uh, the factor uh, to explain this uh, non-inferior uh, difference. Um, in specific, uh, for if you quote a GOG 109, uh, the result, toxicity rate is much higher with the use of concurrent chemotherapy, and then only 60% had completed the scheduled chemotherapy uh, cycle in their study, and then 10% uh, of patients uh, could uh, not tolerate the at least 45 of um, radiotherapy as well. So uh, CCRT uh, can be very tough and challenging. Um, in uh, real-world data um, for SEER, Unfortunately, we do not have information for um, the completion of this uh, chemotherapy and the radiotherapy as well. So this is a major uh, weakness of this study, um, in my view. And, and Koji, one of the things, and this may get us back to the lymph node ratio, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, do you consider that the number of positive lymph nodes should impact the decision as to whether to add chemotherapy or not in, in these patients? Yes, um, we thought about this question based on our 
previous study uh, examining the extent of lymph node to see if surgeon choose whole pedicleotherapy over brachytherapy in the population of early stage endometrial cancer. But in this um, cervical cancer population in a C analysis, uh, there's no association between the um, extent of lymph node uh, uh, sample number uh, and then use of chemotherapy. And similarly, uh, extent of nodal positivity um, by examining lymph node ratio, uh, there's no association for uh, chemotherapy use. Um, instead, um, the, the calendar year, uh, patient age, histology type, and then geographic areas were the independent factor for the use of this chemotherapy. And then um, more recent years, and then um, the known squamous histology, such as uh, adenocarcinoma, and the adenosquamous were the factor for the surgeon to use chemotherapy, whereas older age women and the central uh, U.S. location were the factor that um, uh, the decreased use of chemotherapy in our analysis. And, and uh, I was wondering, did you see a difference in terms of the site of recurrence between the two groups? Uh, in other words, does the cancer have a tendency to come back at different sites if you just give radiation versus chemo radiation? Uh, that's a very um, salient question. Um, but ASEA does not have a information for uh, recurrence. If you uh, looked at GOG 109 study, uh, distant recurrence rate seems to be lower in the CCRT group, which is 7%, compared to RT alone group, which is 11%. So um, it, is, it is suggestive that um, use of additional chemotherapy may decrease the risk of distant recurrence. Um, um, I mentioned recent Japanese GOG um, study examined the uh, not positive early stage cervical cancer. Um, they actually compare the outcome measures between uh, systemic chemotherapy alone group and then CCRT group. And then interestingly, uh, they found that the uh, systemic chemotherapy group had a lower risk of distant recurrence compared to the CCRT group, whereas the CCRT group had a lower risk for local recurrence compared to systemic chemotherapy. So. Um, I think these data uh, suggest that the pelvic lymph node positivity is a um, predictor for uh, distant recurrence, that uh, uh, systemic therapy may be effect more effective than local therapy, in my opinion. And Koji, what, what do you think are some of the limitations of, uh, of this study that you published? Uh, yes, uh, there are definitely many um, limitations in our study. The first and more importantly, um, this is a retrospective study, so um, there, is a, there must be um, unmeasured bias. Uh, for instance, we do not have information for performance status and then decision-making process for CCRT versus RT by patient tumor and then surgeon factors. So, um, but this is uh, the factor that um, definitely influencing both the treatment allocation as well as the outcome. And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, we do not have a um, chemotherapy information um, for uh, regimen and then cycle and then accuracy. And then also we don't know uh, if um, chemotherapy was given as the uh, concurrent radio sensitization during radiotherapy or 
uh, additional system chemotherapy after radiotherapy we do not have information. But uh, um, in view of the uh, trend um, analysis, um, due to the, um, the the drastic jump time around the GOG 109 as well as NCI recommendation in late 90s, so I think the accuracy of this chemotherapy uh, use is accurate. And then during the time, um, systemic chemotherapy use after radiotherapy is not the standard for uh, um, our uh, the US uh, practice. So I think the such a, uh, such case will be likely scanned. And then um, we do not have information for um, parametrial invasion, uh, which is um, the stage T2B disease. We do not know if this is um, based on the preoperative uh, FIGO staging versus um, the postoperative um, uh, parametric invasion in uh, seen in a hysterectomy specimen. But uh, um, in the United States, uh, patient with uh, stage uh, 2B disease will likely receive a definitive concurrent chemotherapy uh, during study time. So I think um, the, our study likely represent the uh, pathologic uh, parametric invasion case. And in the last uh, this study, uh, data set does not have information for, uh, uh, for recurrence as well as toxicity, but uh, these two are the, uh, another important outcome measures. So we are able to assess this kind of composite and, uh, endpoint analysis. And, and uh, Koji, one question that is of particular interest to, to me personally, um, you know, certainly when comparing radiation to chemo radiation, uh, there's obviously a temporal comparison issue, and I would presume that most of the patients that had chemo radiation underwent minimally invasive radical hysterectomy. And my, my question was, and I was, you know, you, your study was not about this specific question, but I'm interested in learning your thoughts with regards to whether the chemo radiation helped to ameliorate or sort of, you know, compensate for the potential adverse effect of the minimally invasive surgery? Uh, actually, uh, this is a very uh, interesting and a tough question, um, but a very important implication to the result of uh, your lack trial that showed the um, inferior survival in MS approach compared to open approach um, in the LAC trial, the prevalence of adjuvant therapy, either chemotherapy and radiotherapy, were uh, similar between the two groups. Um, for instance, the like MIS group, 29% um, received um, adjuvant therapy, and then um, in open arm, 28% received uh, chemotherapy or radiotherapy. Um, in the LAC trial, the uh, rate of abdominal distant or multiple site recurrence were seen in uh, nearly 4% of the um, patient in the MIS arm and then 1% uh, in the open arm. So definitely that uh, interaction between the adjuvant therapy types and the anatomical recurrence site will be of interest. And then if the MIS arm has higher risk for distant recurrence outside the radiation field, um, utility of this uh, systemic therapy might be considered. In terms of our study of C analysis, um, the data set does not have information for surgical mode, MIS versus open, and then um, this interaction was not able to assess um, 
But uh, in, um, in the view of populational uptake of AMIS radical hairs, um, based on the, um, the national cancer data set, um, the population uptake start in late 2000, um, less than 5% in 2006, then up to 30% in 2010. And then if you quote the more recent data from uh, NSQIP, uh, 37% of MS varices among varices in 2012, then up to 47% in 2015. So I uh, presumably I assume that um, the number of MIS varices in our CCRT group, uh, which is more near a recent case, likely some 50%, but definitely uh, this question needs to be answered um, in multiple ways. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, that also brings me to the point of the impact of Sentinel lymph node mapping alone. As you know, many institutions, um, including ours, uh, the Sentinel lymph node alone has become a, a standard of care for patients undergoing radical hysterectomy through the Sentinel lymph node algorithm. Um, what do you think is the impact of Sentinel lymph node alone versus a lymphonectomy in patients with early cervical cancer, and, and should it drive the management towards chemotherapy and radiation um, in the setting where just a sentinel lymph node is being performed? It's, it's just a, a, a question. Yeah, um, again, this is another um, like a tough and challenging question. Um, the, as I mentioned, um, sentinel biopsy in early stage cervical cancer is definitely an emerging concept um, there's a recent GCIG international survey in 2015, and then more than half, nearly 60% of surgeons already have used and adopted this sentinel biopsy in early stage surgical cancer. So it, it is getting more common practice in recent years. But uh, um, in terms of uh, implication to the t uh, treatment, their study uh, survey showed that the variable um, the uh, approach, for instance, uh, when sentinel biopsy is positive, then 40% of um, the surgeon abort radical his and then deliver uh, CCRT, whereas another 45% do complete lymphadenectomy, and then remaining 25% um, proceed radical his and then lymphadenectomy. In terms of our study, um, CIA does not have information for sentinel biopsy but uh, uh, nearly 90% of the study population had sampled lymph node count of um, eight or more, implying that the sentinel biopsy was not a uh, common practice in the study population during the study period between 1988 to 2016. Um, NCCN has a special statement um, for sentinel biopsy, although uh, the category 2A uh, level uh, evidence mean that uh, lower level evidence with that clinical uh, trial. They think that the uh, best detection of sentinel biopsy is tumor less than two centimeters in size. Then in our population, um, the majority of uh, cases, uh, nearly 70% had a tumor size of bigger than two centimeters, and the majority of being from metastasis were multiple mets. So I think the result of our study may not uh, represent the ideal sentinel uh, biopsy population uh, where um, risk of nodal meds is um, much lower and then lower risk for multiple meds. So 
uh, in my view, it is difficult to extrapolate our results for the uh, your question regarding sentinel biopsy, and then more study will definitely need it in the future. And then Koji, one last question. Um, you know, how do we move forward from the results of the study? I understand there's a, there's a study, prospective study from the RTOG that looks at um, chemotherapy and radiation versus chemotherapy and radiation plus additional chemotherapy in these patients, I believe is RTOG 0724. Uh, what are your thoughts? How do, how do we move forward um, based on what you have uh, found and the proposal for this study? Um, yes, um, definitely um, there are a couple of things to do before jumping into the RTLG concept. Uh, first, uh, the validation of our current study uh, in a different population would be necessary. Although our study and the JGOG study uh, show similar results, um, both had uh, similar limitations, so more studies definitely needed in a different population. And second, um, the, the reason to explain the discrepancy between the clinical trial result in GOG109 and the real-world uh, data in the SEER need to be examined. For instance, GOG109 used the um, combination of cisplatin and 5-FU, uh, whereas the in current practice, NCC and recommendation is uh, either uh, cisplatin monotherapy or combination of this uh, cisplatin and 5-FU. Cisplatin dose is 70 milligram per square meter in a combination therapy and then 40 milligram per square meter in a week, uh, the single regimen. So discrepancy between um, uh, like clinical trial and then real world practice need to be examined more in depth as well as uh, tolerability as I mentioned earlier. Um, in terms of RTOG trial, um, this is an ongoing phase three randomized control trial for surgically treated high-risk early stage surgical cancer. Uh, the trial compares CCRT uh, followed by systemic chemotherapy with paclitaxel carboplatin for four cycles to CCRT alone. Um, RTOG will definitely uh, address our hypothesis whether or not lymph node metastasis is a possible surrogate of uh, systemic disease. So the, um, the sensitivity analysis uh, with not positive case uh, will be of interest uh, to me. Uh, if our hypothesis is indeed true, CCRT followed by systemic chemotherapy uh, may have a lower risk for distant recurrence outside radiation field compared to uh, CCRT alone. Uh, similar concept may be also applied to GOG 274 or um, outback trial. And then um, sensitivity analysis of not positive cases in the uh, trial will be uh, of interest. And, and Koji, I, I actually, I, I said before one last question, but I'm interested also um, your practice. When you have a patient with positive lymph nodes after a radical hysterectomy, uh, are you using concurrent chemoradiation or just radiation alone? Uh, in our institution, we follow the NCC and guideline. Then we um, we use uh, CCRT for not positive cases. Okay. 
Um, so it's been it's been quite a pleasure, and certainly I can uh, continue speaking with you about this uh, this concept. Um, any uh, closing remarks you would like to make? Um, first, um, Dr. Ramirez, thank you so much for this opportunity to discuss our study today, and then we we very much appreciate uh, your time for this. Um, this um, study was uh, completely uh, unexpected uh, in our view, and then we encounter this discrepancy between the clinical trial and the real-world practice, and then this uh, is definitely uh, the opportunity to revisit the current practice as to what is the challenge and the obstacle and the limits to deliver the clinical trial to uh, daily practice. And then uh, our study team would also emphasize to recognize that the uh, pelvic lymph metastasis can be a possible indicator for systemic disease. And then we strongly believe that uh, more studies definitely warranted in the future. Um, but I thank you so much again. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Koji.